Hard BN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Pod BN Election Edition 2023. In this episode, we are talking to Jenna Kearns, who is running for Ward 1. Right now, only the even wards are up for election, but the former council member in Ward 1 has stepped down, and Jenna is running to fill the remainder of his term. Jenna is running unopposed, so mostly we focus here on why she wanted to be on council and what she plans to do when she takes her seat. My co-host for this episode is Jeremy. Thank you to our sponsor, Little Beaver Brewery. I love being sponsored by Little Beaver because they're exactly what we like to highlight on PodBN. People doing big things in Bloomington Normal. What started out as a side hobby is now a huge brew pub, employing people, bringing money into the community, making life more enjoyable. Little Beaver reminds us what can happen if you pursue your passion in service of others. Plus, the beer and food are really young as well. If you'd like to hear more about Little Beaver, go back to one of our first episodes to hear their origin story. Or stop at Five Finance Drive sometime. The founder, Chad's usually around, and you can talk to him yourself. Thanks again for your support and encouragement, Little Beaver. Okay, we're recording. Hey, Jenna. Thanks for stopping by to talk to us yes, a little you. bit. Uh, so first, can you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your history in the community? Yes. I born and raised in Bloomington, went to Bloomington schools, uh, went to Irving Elementary School and Bloomington Junior High and high school. Um, I actually have lived mostly, not necessarily in Ward 1, but kind of in the southern and western sides of town. And... Um, was really kind of an athlete, played sports, and uh, went to Truman State, played volleyball there, and um, so that kind of connected me to the St. Louis area, and I ended up going to law school, and um, I think throughout my, from a very young age and even into law school, housing and um Housing stability always seemed to play like a, an underlying theme in my life. My family was renters, and that and my mom has worked for the housing authority forever. And so um, I think that just instilled that sense of public service in me. And um, when I graduated from law school, I ended up working at a legal aid organization, helping people in foreclosures, and then uh, moved back here at some point and um, worked at Central Community Action, which is like a housing counseling focus. And now I work for an organization that helps people who uh, can't afford an attorney and who are trying to navigate their civil legal issues. And while a lot of that is family law, it, I uh, have helped out a lot with the, the eviction clinic that Prairie State helps out with. So um, that'll probably end up being a theme today that I kind of always end up coming back to something related to housing because I think that that's just kind of in my blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, something that not a lot of people understand is a need, is as much of a need as it is in our community, uh, myself included. I, I think the first time my eyes were opened was with the bed blitz. I assume mm-hmm. you are familiar with that. And then it's really 
become a big part of my life now. My wife is the librarian at Sheridan Elementary. Okay. Talking about the, the things that her students are going through, the intransigence, um, instability, and just trying to focus on anything when you don't know where you're sleeping that night. Right. Um, it's really tough trying to have a... And the expectations, it seem very reasonable, right? Oh, bring your library books back. Well, if you're moving from place to place, if you're living out of right. a hotel temporarily, mm-hmm. uh, even just returning a library book can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of, in the live, uh, my program, the volunteer program works out of the McLean County Law Library, and so we get people coming in all the time. It's usually right around school year when a grandparent will come in and say, you know, I need guardianship because I'm not being allowed to let, to enroll my grandkid in school. And so, um, I, I, I thought that there were barriers that were reduced there in terms of, you know, like addressing people who are unhoused where like, how can you force someone to have an address in order to enroll in school if that's what they're faced with? So, um, why do you think that's such an important issue to you? Do you think you sit in your background, you were renters? Do you attribute it to that? In some I, yeah, because I think that we had the good fortune of that still being a very stable time in my life. Like I, you know, we moved around, we were renters. I don't think homeownership has to be the end all be all. It's not the right choice for everyone. And so um, I just think that access, choice, you know, we always had the, the ability to find places that were stable and, um, you know, decent housing, and so I, I don't think that that renting means you're, there's instability there, but I think that having stable housing and good housing means that there's all sorts of things that are going to determine what happens to you as you grow up with like the things that you mentioned, yeah. being able to pay attention in school, being able to thrive, all those things. Yeah. So, uh, assuming that's one of the issues that led mm-hmm. you to run, yeah. um, we could dig into that a little bit mm-hmm. more. What do you hope to see the city do more of to support people who are, have housing insecurity? Mm-hmm. It's. I wish that there was a magic answer because I think communities all over the country are struggling with how to create housing for the multitudes of people who don't have housing. And so um, I definitely have been trying to uh, read and get involved in communities and groups and places that are already trying to work on some of this. I don't ever pretend to have all the answers so I think that's one of my goals on council would be to make sure that I am being comprehensive and researched and reaching out to people so that I understand you know I'm not just kind of feeling like I'm coming up with these answers on my own even though I might have a a gut feeling or a an understanding of what I think would be a good decision so um you know, there are people in town that I, I kind of have already identified or looked at or really identify with. So uh, I think there's a lot of great things going on in the community already. Yeah. So I, I just want to help elevate those voices. 
other. I know it's even harder right now because the whole community is as an entire, you know, top to bottom is short housing. Mm-hmm. It's not just that bottom tier, right? right? It's, You're right. We need mm-hmm. houses up top, which then means that more people are going to, I'll say, the medium houses, which mm-hmm. puts a strain on that, which then puts strain on rental. I mean, yeah. you can't find rentals in a lot of cases. And, right. Um, so that just keeps pushing that problem kind of downhill. And it does. I, I mean, that you've heard about housing for a while. How do, how do you think... I mean, are you seeing that impact of the bottom kind of being squeezed by the oh. fact that there aren't oh, yeah. enough houses um, I, I know through some people that I know at the housing authority that, like in Section 8, you get approved for, um, based on your circumstances and your income, you kind of get a range of, like, here's what you're approved for, to for your voucher to go out onto the market to find a place, and... There just, the there just isn't yeah. anything that fits with either how much it costs or what size you need. And so actually the housing authority here in town, uh, within their HUD guidelines, you know, approved changing their range to address that because they saw, like, wow, they're, you know, people don't have options. You know, they're getting approved, but there's nowhere for them to go live. So, um, you know... I, I like hearing those types of things, but at, at the end of the day, it's still, like, there still just isn't the, the options. You said there's some groups in town that are doing some good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some examples? So I am very much a newbie, but I'm really gravitating towards the strong towns and mm-hmm. women's and vitalists. Like, that definitely speaks to kind of, I think, what I've naturally, you know, like, I didn't know that that was, you know, I'm, I don't I don't have an expertise in it, but the things that I have read and the principles that they stand for, that, that group, and then, you know, uh, Noah Tang and, you know, all that, I, I definitely am um, interested in, in a, using that as an approach or as a lens to look at ways that we can incrementally grow housing to make sure that it's done right and things like that. Yeah. So clearly you got a, a passion around the housing side. I mean, we're, yeah. we're hearing that. So then what makes you translate that into, uh, hey, I think I'm going to do something crazy and run for office? Yeah, so I think it. I think I always had the idea, like especially with my public service background. I work for no, I work for nonprofits, and so I always wanted to be helping people in the public sector, maybe government. And then um, I would say like on a local level, this past mayoral election, uh, really paid attention to who was running and, you know, wanted to be very intentional about acting on that and helping try to drive who I wanted to see in office. And so I canvassed for some candidates to try to help in that way. And then um, I, I would always consider myself someone who paid attention to the local issues. And so kind of that... You know, I kind of slowly kept, you know, like time moves on and I'm staying involved. And then um, when Jamie Maffey stepped down, I saw that as an opening of, you know, I think that I have the right work ethic and, the, um, you know, I don't know that I'll ever, I'm not going to know what it's actually going to take until I get into it. You know, I've, uh, I've heard the comparison of it's going to be like a fire hose. <laughs> so... Uh, We'll see what it's actually like, but uh, I just saw this as an opportunity. I, I put my application in to be, you know, to, to meet with the mayor to see who he was going to appoint, 
And so even after that, I thought, you know, this, I think that, you know, I can step up for my community and, and take this, this role on. And I'm kind of glad I did because otherwise no one else did. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> yeah, it's interesting to run unopposed. There must have been a strange experience for you. I, I would imagine on the one hand, glad you don't have to go through the campaigning. On the other hand, like, well, I guess I'm on city council now. <laughs> right. so. yeah, Especially yeah. as a new candidate, you know. Yes, yes. So, so Jenna, as the individual, was like, I want choice. You want to have choice to, and decide. But, yeah, first-time candidate Jenna <laughs> is, is like, okay, you know. It, so it, it's kind of like appointment adjacent where, you know, I'll fill up, I'll fulfill the rest of the term get my bearings, get a sense of what it's like, and then, you know, maybe my, quote, real campaign will be at, and, you know, when um, the the full-term election comes around, and then, you know, hopefully, maybe there will be someone that, that thinks they could, you know, that they'd be a good choice, too, so. So, can, uh, the other people we've been talking to, they're knocking on doors they're getting in touch they're getting invited to all kinds of things they're filling out questionnaires and stuff like that so your, your time's a little spent a little differently when you're mm-hmm. uncontested so how have you been filling your time in the last couple months yes I have had a few people come up to me and say well since you've already won you don't even need to be doing any of this but I look at it as um, although I'm not running against someone I'm still new and I'm still um it's, I, it's my duty to let the voters know who I am and uh, start building those relationships. That's, I, I would imagine, as an elected official in a leadership position, that you know a large majority of my role will be talking to people, building coalitions, understanding the issues. And, and so you can't just sit on the sidelines. And, and so... Um, really it's only just begun <laughs> so I just am approaching it that way where I'm, I'm uh, just trying to get people to know who I am and what I'm about well, one of the key, key pieces I think of a, like a contested campaign you know you do have to learn those people those key people right. you also have to hear voices from both sides mm-hmm. you know you just can't be in your, your bubble right. you get out you knock on one door, it's one view, you walk out the next door, and it's a totally different view. So I imagine you've run across quite a bit of that. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing from people in your ward as issues that are important to them or or any pieces that you might not have thought about that you're like, oh, that's, that's something we need to dig into? Right. I think, well, this is something that, just through my own research, I don't know that I would call it research, but just kind of looking into things where I, I guess I didn't realize how many businesses were in Ward 1. I, I'm always thinking about it in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm a homeowner in Ward 1 and there's a lot of residential areas, but in actuality there are a ton of businesses in Ward 1, so I definitely think that that's an area that I am going to need to put more time and effort and understanding into because um, you know, that's it's, it, you know, it's something that I, I don't think I have an expertise in yet. That would be a big difference from what they would be used to with Jamie Matthew, too, who mm-hmm. was part of that community and yeah. multiple businesses and stuff. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they might have some expectations that you've got knowledge that you don't have. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> good yes, learning opportunity. Yes. And he, um, I haven't spent a lot of time talking with him, but he seemed very gracious and open to um, 
giving me time. And, and, and that's the one thing that I've really enjoyed so far with talking to some of the other um, members on city council, like, uh, you know, that I think I'm excited. I know we're no, uh, not always going to agree, but I'm excited to, um, you know, hopefully the words, the kind words they've told me are all true. And in reality, when we work on tough issues, that it can be congenial in the way that they're making it sound. So, Are there any council members you've, you've talked with that you say, you kind of, speaking with them, say, you know, I ad- identify with that person or I admire mm-hmm. that person and what they're bringing to the council? Yeah. I definitely have really admired and appreciated Donna Bowen's uh, angle on things. She seems very um, transparent in the way that she approaches things and uh, very... Uh, methodical and researched and um, you know it, it doesn't seem motivated by anything other than trying to make the right decision so I don't know that you know who knows we probably won't agree on everything that's just you know that's just being human but um, I've really appreciated that what do you see as being some of the other big issues just specifically mm-hmm. in Ward 1 Bust that, and then then we'll zoom out a little bit more and ask about the whole city. Right. So, in Ward 1, it does include uh, the Miller Park area, and I would consider kind of a a big part of Ward 1 is kind of like downtown adjacent, kind of still consider the core of Bloomington, and so Mm -hmm. there's a ton of... um, issues related to infrastructure and reinvesting and um, those types of projects. My sister isn't in Ward 1, but just kind of like just outside of it, so still in that same neighborhood and, you know, was one of the ones that had sewer fountains coming out of their toilets, you know, during the flooding. And so, um, you know, that's one of those issues that has left an indelible mark on our community in this in the recent history and so I think it's something that we have to actively address yeah what's your uh, understanding of how we got to this point with the lack of care um, mm-hmm. lack of attention to, to the infrastructure in our <laughs> core areas I, I I from what I understand it's just kind of a disinvestment uh, let's push it off for something else and um, I think with a lot of things, it, it, it feels like a moment where, you know, other councils have probably dealt with this with different issues. But at least right now, for certain things like infrastructure, it feels like we're paying for past mistakes. And, and so it, it feels good to have, like, this consciousness around let's try to avoid making mistakes. And so maybe we should look further ahead of what, how the, the decisions we're going to make now are imp- will impact us in the future. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to diving into that kind of work and finding out those answers and working with the city on, you know, what those things look like. Um, I think it was your interview with Donna where she mentioned something about that, where it's like... Um, about pushing the city to, to come, you know, like come to the table with that data. Like, don't present me something that's not gonna have that as a line item or a, 
a bullet point in your presentation because you know what my question's going to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that longer-term view, there's a lot of disincentment <laughs> of, of looking at that. Um, and uh, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's a systematic thing, so it's mm-hmm. it's hard to fight against. But yeah, and I not, think there's an awareness that we're we need to do that, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. like watching the planning council guy kind of dance on that a little bit. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting I, off. I don't want to say too much. I'm getting but, off in May, and then I can be more free of <laughs> yeah. my thoughts. So yeah, but but there certainly has been. It feels like a, a lot more focus recently. I'd say, mm-hmm. on, hey. We're behind. We need to spend more money. We need to do more sewers, roads, mm-hmm. et cetera. I mean, that's been a campaign item for 20, 30 years, whether it yeah. gets done or not, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it, to your point, it certainly feels like people are waking up a little bit and catching mm-hmm. on to this This bill's coming due one way or the other. Yeah. You'll have a sewer fountain in your, you know, you know, like the Eastgate area. That was an issue known for 30 years, and then it literally bubbles up on everybody. And now, okay, we, we need mm-hmm. to focus on this. We can't wait to that point. Right. Right. And people are kind of hearing mm-hmm. that now. Yeah. Yes. And infrastructure is, it's not the sexy kind of things to spend money on. Like, you know, people complain about the fun stuff like O'Neill Park and pool and the bigger yeah. library and all those things. But um, it's, the infrastructure is, 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 uh, the backbone and so if you invest in that then it shows that you are invested in the future of your town so yeah, yeah well that's been a major issue in, in board one for a long time with a lot mm-hmm. of businesses you're talking about yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. what's what on the city perspective outside of you know some of these infrastructure and housing what's another big issue or what's one of the largest issues the city should be looking at in the next couple of years mm. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I or maybe where would you like yeah. like the city to start looking here, spend some energy and effort? Mm-hmm. I guess I'm always kind of worried about us putting our eggs in one basket when it comes to large employers. I remember the. I mean, I don't have as long of a history understand. You know, like knowing all of the the changes with State Farm and Mitsubishi and all of that, but with Rivian in town, it kind of seems like another one of those moments where we we want to respond and grow and, and kind of uh, leverage this opportunity, but we, we can't do it at the disadvantage of the other incremental, because that's huge, and, for, and Ferrero... You know, those those are like amazing opportunities and um, very advantageous to the growth and future of our community. But I guess I just always worry a little bit that we need to make sure that we're balancing that with you know, have a the balanced portfolio. <laughs> so I I definitely think that and that's kind of a big answer, but kind of the way that we attract workers and the workforce and the kind of people that live here and want to stay here, um, which I don't think is bad. I mean, I, I will attest to the fact that I grew up here, 
as a teenager, couldn't wait to be like, let's live somewhere else. <laughs> but I'm very family focused, and I even my my siblings have lived other places, my cousins have lived other places, but we always find ourselves coming back. So um, I think that says a lot about our community. Yeah, maybe we could dig a little bit more on that. Um, I agree. I, I was a military kid, so I lived all over the place, and then people still, I. They're like, wait, why do you live in central Illinois? Why are you doing it? And uh, so there's things about it I love, and my parents have since moved here. Um, so what, what comes to mind when you think about that, why it's such a nice place to live? I, I think it's, I just think there's this general feeling of safety, and, um, you know, I, I do pick at people that say there's nothing to do here, but it's like you're just not looking hard enough because there are a ton of things to do that are free, that you pay for, but I think that um, it, it has been affordable. <laughs> I mean, we're living in a time that it's hard to say anything is affordable now, but it's always been affordable. There's always been good job prospects. We have great education systems. Um, so I, I think we, and then location-wise, you know, like you're, clo- you know, you're we're centralized. You know, like actually, that's why the job I have is a statewide job that I do because the site that I have is here in Bloomington, but we also have ones all around the state. That volunteer program I mentioned earlier, um, but Bloomington has highway. You can easily get to like anywhere in the state, and so um, there's a ton of reasons why. <laughs> yeah, yep, I agree with you. Um, so, yeah, let's go out to some other uh, hot topics on the city side of things. You mentioned uh, some of the bigger projects like O'Neill Pool and the library. Um, any thoughts on those? Uh, there's going to be other stuff for those, I assume, that come up for mm-hmm. boats or for funding or things like that. Yeah. Um, what's your perspective on those projects? Yes. I, um, I'll, ad- I'll admit that I will have to fight a lot of bias when it comes to O'Neill because I grew up swimming at that pool. Like, I'm very sentimentally attached to O'Neill Pool. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I went to some of the, the meetings, the planning meetings that they had where the firm that they hired was, like, picking people's brains on what they wanted because I, I, I love that. That is an integral part of my childhood. Um, so, but I, I do see the other side of like, you know, what are the long-term costs of that? Is it going to be, you know, they, they tried to bill it as like the Fairview Aquatic Center where, you know, like that's going to be a destination and it's going to bring people to the, t- you know, and it's like, is that true? Is that really going to happen? Um, is, are we taking too much green space away from that area? So, um, I, and then I, I think I would be very, um, it, you know, with anything, but especially projects like this, if it's going to cause taxes to increase, that's problematic. And um, so, yeah, those are, those are those things that infrastructure is easy <laughs> because it has to be done. It's going to make our town accessible and and uh, usable 
but the stuff that that helps with the quality of life is is important too and so those are always hard to balance yeah um and then uh library expansion have you looked into that at all have you followed that as it's gone over the last few years <laughs> i i feel i i don't i think that i have more to read on the library expansion um someone made an offhand comment to me recently about like we don't like it doesn't need to be a warming center and so you know then that to me that gets into kind of perspective and cultural issues of the purpose of a library because um yes a lot of things are digital and you know why are we building a bigger library space but i guess to me i see the value of having like that's a place for the community to meet and it's important to me culturally in that way and so uh, I, I think it's reductive to to say it doesn't need to be a warming center <laughs> yeah so yeah I'll just <laughs> a little a little plug on those <laughs> topics um trying to find a place to meet with people is surprisingly difficult um mm-hmm. I, uh, Outside of Little Beaver, of course. Well, yeah, they, I mean, Little Beaver's Very been great to us here, and I, I really like the vibe here, but if you wanted to have some place that was quieter, um, mm-hmm. it's. I've looked and looked. It is very hard to find a place. And then also um, for a community group to meet, for a group of 10 to 15 people want to meet together, mm-hmm. um, if you're... You know, if you're, if you're willing to go someplace where everyone's going to purchase something and sit there at a restaurant yeah. or something, fine. But because a group is just trying to meet to get together to do something, it's, it's actually quite a, um, it's quite challenging. And um, you know, is that a is that a public perf- purpose to solve? Um, I mean, maybe like strictly no. Those are private groups meeting, but there's value in the community being able to get together. Um, the strong time group you mentioned that mm-hmm. I'm a part of that and finding a place for us to meet. Is, uh, is quite quite difficult. <laughs> we just mm-hmm. end up at someone's house, but then you're kind of like crammed in. You know, right. you reach critical mass on that, and then uh, so yeah, there's some public purposes there. And then as other uh, social services become more defunded, mm-hmm. the library picks up slack for that. So mm-hmm. if we had plenty of warming stations already, right? And uh, you know, do we need one more warming station? Then okay, maybe that's a point. But not a lot of places for people to go if they're um, again, go back to the housing insecurity, right? If that's the only place you can go to to right. study, to apply for a job, to you know, to get that next, take that next step in your life, um, seems like a public purpose that's that's worth funding there. I completely agree yeah. that it's it it says a lot about your community if you have a place like that. So yeah, but you know, then there's the other side if we don't have unlimited money, right? Right, so right. You of course, you're not of put, course. Not putting yes. it there, you're not you're not taking it out somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. Anyway, I'm curious. What's uh, you, you've been out on the trail? I'm sure you've been asked this before. What's what's something that now that you've gotten into this process, you didn't know or surprised you or kind of you know hit you like, oh wow, that's mm-hmm. that's different. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of been a lot of different things that um, I guess it's just been humbling to think that. Uh, you know, I, I consider myself someone who tries to stay involved and understand the issues and um, that I, you know, that I kind of get it, but there's always something new to learn 
and everyone obviously everyone has their own perspective so that's you know you have to figure out how to navigate all of that and um being more um how do I say this where as an elected official it's not my job to push my agenda I need to come in with my own passions and ideas and and strengths but um that you know I'm very it'll be very interesting to see the ways that I'm tested where I'm like I didn't agree with that but I came in open-minded and um was willing to move forward with you know like something that we all can live with and learn. Um, one of the things that happens to candidates, again, especially in com- competitive elections, is you get some unpleasantness from people who disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, has any of that come your way yet? What's the climate like out um, there? I, I think s- I haven't had anything too directly yet bad. Everyone's been very uh, tempered in their answers if, you know, like we kind of... You know, if, if I give an answer, I mean, I, no one has been nasty to me, so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, so, but I think it is, you can kind of tell when maybe the answer I gave was not what they wanted to hear or their question, I knew what they were asking me. So uh, I tried to answer it in a way that was the most respectful way that was still true to what I believed, but acknowledging that I knew what they were trying to get at, and that isn't what my answer was going to be. <laughs> I know that was very vague, but no, without getting into the details. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you need to listen and then mm-hmm. also respect where somebody's coming right. from, even if you don't mm-hmm. agree, right? <laughs> you, you don't see that as much. I mean, luckily, we do in local politics a lot more than national politics, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Which... You don't solve any issues if you don't just listen and right. respect the other side. Right, I agree, and it's—I mean, it's easier to to be that way when you have this kind of massive, you know, like local is. These are your neighbors. These are the people that you run into at restaurants and go to church with, and you know, have mutual friends. And so, it doesn't make sense to get nasty, in my opinion. Yeah. One of the things I hear from council members is about the importance of um, everything that goes into before the meeting, right? Mm-hmm. The conversations with staff, the conversations with each other, knowing what's um, what's best done ahead of time versus during mm-hmm. the meeting. Have you heard anything about that or, or thought anything about how you might handle that aspect of the job? Yeah, that that's definitely something that I hoped was part of it. Every time I watch city council meetings... I, I am, you know, I am amazed at the amount of things on on a consent agenda or the things that we're just kind of getting snippets of. So um, I think that's one of the the reasons that I'm well suited for this position is I like those details. I like, um, I can't, (laughs) I wouldn't go so far as say I like meetings because who likes meetings, but um, I like delving into the details and um, getting into the weeds, and so uh, those kinds of things excite me. And then, um, as a lawyer, that shocks me. Right, <laughs> going that depth. That's I weird. know. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm gonna love that part, and 
will maybe love to hate it once I'm in, you know, having a second job <laughs> like this. But, um, but I, like I said, I've been, it's, it seemed very welcoming with members that are going to continue to be on council. So um, I'm looking forward to initiating or having them reach out to me and, and having those discussions and figuring it out and, and meeting more staff. Um, I, several years ago, did the Bloomington 101 program. Oh, good. And absolutely loved that experience. And it... For the people who aren't familiar with it, can you tell what it is? So Bloomington 101 is... It sounds like a class, and it kind of is. So for however many weeks, you get to do a survey course in like an hour or two, once a week, each night, to learn about each, you know, like different departments in the city. And so that's actually where I learned a lot about the, the, the plan for, you know, like they did a map of all the sidewalks in town and, and gave them ratings and, you know, things like that. Um, we, well, the, the fun ones, like going to the zoo and getting a, uh, you know, playing with the recycling uh, truck and you know mm-hmm. there's the fun things but there's also those the the work of the city and the staff I it all seemed like they were so passionate about their jobs and um, you know loved what they were doing so it was very eye-opening in many ways yeah uh, the city council's only employee is the city manager um, hopefully uh Hopefully we don't have to do a change of guard, but that's always possible mm-hmm. in a certain term. So if uh, if you were needing to hire a new city manager, what types of background mm-hmm. or characteristics do you think you might be looking for in candidates? Yeah, so I actually know someone in my family is does this kind of work where they are kind of a inter- interim city manager for different places around oh, okay. the country okay. and so I know that that's it's kind of unique yeah just right. move around and kind yeah, of step in for a gap in. that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah they spent a lot of time in um, Alaska of all <laughs> places so but um, so crazy stories that I have about that but um, it so I know that it, it's um, it's a really big responsibility so it's something that you you know want to make sure it's the right fit so I, I think that um, it would come down to maybe it would come down to a vibe of like how do I think their leadership style works with our group and our city and um, like their communication style I'm really big on that because I know that um, I can tend to be more direct and so that you know so you have to figure out what other people's communication style is and because I think that that you know ultimately everything comes down to communication and so if our city manager isn't serving that role and effectively communicating with their staff with the council um, that can cause real problems and with being able to accomplish goals or to be successful in any endeavor so um, I do think it will be the little things, but, you know, because, like, there'll be some obvious things in terms of history and, you know, being comfortable with the the big ticket items of a city manager. Yeah. 
I only have one more question, but happy to talk more okay. of Jeremy if you have other things. Uh, Jamie Matthew was a huge proponent of downtown, even though mm-hmm. it wasn't directly in his ward. You know, he's very connected there. Um, something that anyone who's listened to our podcast knows that uh, we're very passionate about, too. Um, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on the next steps for downtown and for the con- city to continue to support it effectively? Or I guess maybe support it more effectively than it has in the past, <laughs> depending right. on your view. Right, yeah. I, um, it's, it's, um, I also feel very passionately about making sure that our downtown is vibrant and successful and the surrounding areas, I think, contribute to that with, um, making sure that, you know, that there's affordable housing and places for people to live and then, that would attract, you know, people to, you know, like, to go and shop and spend money downtown, depending on, you know, what it is they're looking for. Um, I I think that that is very important. I wouldn't want to see our downtown erode because I think that that would be very disastrous for kind of the community at large. Um, I, I you know I started mall walking <laughs> this winter to to stay active, and it. It's such a, I mean, that's like a whole other thing, right? But it, it, when I, if I were to compare those two, it just would be very scary if our downtown turned into something like the mall where people, it just was not used and businesses went away. And yeah. um, we already have enough vacant buildings down there. We don't need to continue to add, add to that. It's funny for you to say that because, <laughs> in a way, we intentionally devoted our resources exactly. to the mall centric <laughs> thing <laughs> and now it's crumbled faster than downtown right. has yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. have you had a chance to look at any of the plans or the conversations around downtown so far? A little bit but very surface level Okay. so I know that um, shoot I was going to ask three follow ups on the parking garage oh Thanks. yeah <laughs> right, right the parking garage the kind of like the, the streetscape or yeah yeah. Um, so I think the main thing that um, the main thing I anticipate you encountering is con- contrasting it with what Normal did. Mm-hmm. Normal started with, okay, we're going to put in new infrastructure, new wi- new internet capabilities, new power, new roads. Pretty much unanimous, yes, that makes sense to mm-hmm. invest. And then every step after that's gotten increasingly more contentious. And so... Right. Um, I, I won't uh, push you for your particular view on that, but it, um, I think it's worth considering in that framework of thinking how, what do we want to do with downtown? Do we want to just fix what's under, the, under it and let every, other things go, or do we want to um, start tearing down buildings and building new things specifically and right. making it uh, look more like Naperville? And um, there's people are going to feel feel differently on where the right point is on that spectrum right yeah all the way from do nothing to tear it all down and and make it all new right right right. like if there was a magic answer to the arena i know that would like make a lot of people yeah (laughs) because they're like just tear it down and yeah so there are yeah there aren't any easy answers we have this interesting combination in town of not enough places for people combined with very large structures that don't have people inside of them. Yeah. And it, it seems like between mm-hmm. 
the mall, um, mm-hmm. certain corporate offices that may be vacant now, the arena, like yeah. pretty soon Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh, it's like right, we have yeah. large. In, that's mm-hmm. in. I think it's a normal technically, but you know right. what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. there are big inside areas already, and there's people who need places inside. It seems like there should be some way to match those up. Right. But, um, right. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if, uh, if people want to get a hold of you or talk to you, what's the best way to either reach out or, or schedule some time? Yes, absolutely. That That's very important to me. Um, my email is kearns ward one at gmail.com. Um, I have a Facebook page that you, it's techni- you just type that in, and that's the name of my page. And I think those are two really easy ways to get a hold of me, and then we can reach out by phone or anything in person after that okay well i like i say to everybody um the amount of time and uh attention it takes to do this job and the amount of criticism that people open themselves up to for doing it um i I hope that regardless of how anybody feels about the the positions people are taking Mm -hmm. that we can all respect this this um basically unpaid job that people are doing uh, for the sake of their community so thank you for putting yourself out there to do this Um, thank you for coming and talk to us today and uh, best of luck when you when when do you actually start officially the role I believe May 1st May 1st okay Mm -hmm. we can't say councilwoman elect yet right yeah that's (laughs) here in a month or something right 30 some days starting April yeah (laughs) good luck thanks thank you so much